Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined, as usual, by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer at the Commercial Appeal. We are coming to you the morning after Memphis gets an emphatic 90-74 win over St. Louis at FedEx Forum to to improve to 3-0 on the season. Um, Tigers get a game-high or team-high 18 points from, and I, you know, I, I bet if you asked two weeks ago you wouldn't have predicted this, Tyler Harris. Um, the freshman trio of Amani Bates, Jalen Duran, and Josh Minot all again have strong games. Um, the Tigers, you know, while showing some flaws um, in their first real challenge of the year um, a, a, against a team, I'm not going to say comparable talent because it wasn't, um, but a, a team, a decent team, uh, you know, win going away. Win, you know, win, win emphatically, um, despite its flaws. Um, Jason, overall impressions from this three and O start, and I guess most importantly from last night's win over St. Louis, because I, I think we can both agree the wins over Tennessee Tech and North Carolina Central can could only really tell you so much. Yeah, so. You know, you can look at it one of two ways. Um, you can look at it how Penny Hardaway uh, spun it uh, last night in the post-game uh, press conference. He, he called it, I believe his word was scary, given the fact that Memphis committed 24 turnovers, got out-rebounded on the offensive glass by 10, gave up 23 offensive rebounds total, and uh, what was the other thing? Oh, uh, St. Louis took 20 more shots, 20 more field goal attempts than Memphis did, and yet they still won by 16 points. And it probably it wasn't even that close. Uh, uh, St. Louis, you know, got some garbage time in there in the last 49 seconds. They scored, they outscored Memphis six to nothing. So really, it was, you know, it, it wasn't even as close as it looked in the final score so you can look at it that way that's that you know if memphis is playing you know reasonably not well and yet they're still beating teams like that and scoring 90 points per game uh that is scary but then you can also look at it like my god 24 turnovers uh a ton of foul trouble early um it didn't turn out to be a huge issue uh, in the game, only one player fouled out, but in, in toward the end of the first half, they had six guys with two fouls apiece. 
Um, so, you know, that that's not great. Uh, you know, uh, the offensive rebounding stuff is, is problematic, but you know, like, like Penny said, the, the shooting is what's keeping them in games. They finished 54% for the game, uh, last night. And that's even with starting one for five from the field and Landers not only going two for eight. So, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mixed bag, but, um, they are three and O and are outscoring these teams. You know, they've been dominant despite not being, um, you know, not firing on all cylinders. Yeah. And, and we'll get into some of the different things that emerged from that here in a bit, the, the rotation, the point guard situation, um, and what it all means moving forward as, as Memphis takes on Western Kentucky Friday and then heads to Brooklyn next week for, Probably it's, you know, it's first, it's toughest games, uh, games that will be tougher than even last night, obviously, against Virginia Tech and then potentially Xavier or perhaps Iowa State. Um, but the way I look at it, Jason, is is sort of towards the point. Like, it feels like a lot of these problems, are, if they're still happening in March, like yeah, they will be problems. They they they'll they'll keep this team from reaching its ceiling, and that's why I think it's fair to point them out. Um, at the same time, like man, they're pretty darn good already. Like even though they're making all of these mistakes, there's like this team is different. Like what's amazing is a lot of the things that are going wrong for this team are like the same things that have happened the past couple years under Penny Hardaway. They turn the ball over too much. Uh, this year they're not rebounding the ball well offensively, uh, and they're not they're not keeping teams off the glass well. Like other teams are getting a lot of offensive rebounds against them, as you mentioned last night against St. Louis, the latest example. But it happened even against North Carolina Central and uh, Tennessee Tech. Um, they still are having tr- they're still shaky at the free throw line. Um, they still, you know, DeAndre Williams most notably, still can't stay out of foul trouble. That was a problem last year, too, for him. Um, Penny still plays too many guys. You know, like, a lot of things that were all that were wrong with the program the last couple years that kept them out of the, whether it was two years ago, kept them from being considered a tournament team before it was canceled, or last year when it kept them out of the NCAA tournament, ultimately. A lot of those things are still happening. But... They have so much more talent, and particularly, as you mentioned, guys who can score and shoot. Like, it's like Amani Bates is unlike any player Memphis has had in recent memory. Same with Jalen Duran. Josh Minot looks really good as a true freshman. Um, and Landers Nolly looks like a better player, a more mature player out there uh, than his first year. I mean, last night, Lester didn't play well. Earl Timberlake had another bad game. Uh, Malcolm was pretty non-existent. Malcolm Dandridge was pretty non-existent off the bench again. Um, you know, show the me point a game. Co- show, show me what? a game. Show me a game last season where Landers, Nolly, and Lester Quinones combined to go three for eleven, and Memphis wins by double digits. And DeAndre <laughs> didn't play well either. DeAndre didn't play that well either. And they, yeah, yeah and they won going away. And I think that speaks to just how good this team already is, I think, and also what it could become. Um, like, I don't think 
they're a top five team yet, but they've got the potential to be if they clean some things up, if Penny shortens rotation. I think, you know, I wrote a column about this over at commercialp.com. I think Tyler Harris is almost emblematic of all of this. Like, here's a guy who would be on scholarship at a lot of places in the country. And, and I think we can all learn a lot from him. And I think this team can learn a lot from him because he came back home and walked on this team because you know what? He went to Iowa state last year and you know, it sucked being on a terrible team. You know, like that's what he said last night. Like, yes, he wanted to come home. He never wanted to leave Memphis. He also just wanted to be on a winning team again. And that's what this team is already. Um, and, you know, they're going to be tested more, whether it's Friday, whether it's next week in Brooklyn, whether it's once they start playing these SEC teams um, and, you know, kind of ramping up to those te- that Tennessee and Alabama week, if you will, um, in December. But it is a good team, man. That's my impression from the first three games. It's a good team that feels like it's only it's really just starting to scratch the surface of what it might be able to become. And so. There are flaws, but I think they're flaws that are like March flaws, you know, like they're flaws that, yeah, if they if if they if they turn the ball over 20 plus times, you know, it's going to be hard to win against Tennessee. It's going to be hard to win in March, you know, against if you're giving up 20 some odd offensive rebounds against uh, St. Louis, you know, how many are you going to give up against Houston? You know, you got there are things, but like it's. It's November. It was November sixteenth when they played St. Louis. Like it's early, and they and the baseline from where they're starting from feels so much higher than the past couple teams. Is how I guess I would phrase it. And um, it starts with Amani Bates, but it also goes even to like a guy like Tyler Harris, who showed last night one an incredible story that kind of gets overshadowed because of the Amani and Jalen factor and all that. Like, we forgot that like he was coming back almost because he's a walk-on and whatever. But, like, it's an incredible story, one, that he came back to Memphis and decided to walk on. And, two, like he showed last night, like, he could be a valuable piece for this team um, as, like, a spark off the bench because when he's hitting shots, he's a great player. Like he had again, much like this team has his flaws, but man, like there are some parts of his game where you're just like, damn, this guy's good, you know? And so, uh, I I was, I thought that was a lot of fun last night and who would have predicted that Tyler Harris would lead the team in scoring in the third game of the season. That's wild. Yeah. Not me. Uh, certainly. I mean, I, I thought kind of all along ever since he came back that, that, I mean, listen, He's he's we saw it at pro day and at the um at like the open run for the for the Memphis Rebounders Club that they had. I mean, like you know he he can still shoot. I mean that is that is and 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 there's always going to be a place for somebody who can do that. I mean, on, on any team and uh, I mean, look, Landers didn't have it last night. He was zero for three from three. Um. Uh, Earl Timberlake and Alex Lomax were having their issues early in the game. Uh, so they needed something off the bench to come in and give them a lift to create some separation because they were having trouble getting 
you know, uh, getting a cushion uh, against this pesky St. Louis team. And, and he did that. I mean, and I think you uh, hit the nail right on the head that, that his, you know, a lot of people can learn a lot from what he has experienced and what, what he said, the perspective that he now has. I mean, bottom line, you boil it all down, and he is living proof that losing sucks way worse than not playing very often. Like he he left because he he thought his minutes were going to decrease. He could see that coming. He could see Landers Nolly was coming in, so on and so forth. He could see his minutes were decreasing. So he said, I'm gonna go somewhere where I can play, you know, the minutes that I want to play. Well, he goes somewhere where they're terrible and decides that it's not worth it. It's not mm-hmm. worth it to go somewhere else to get all these minutes if if we're not gonna well, win. And and I know for a fact he had options maybe not power five options, but he had options to go to like mid majors around the country and be the best player on the damn team, you know, and be on scholarship. And he chose, he chose to walk on at Memphis. Like that's what he wanted to do. Um, and so um, great story, just a great story um, associated with this team. And it was, it was just fun. It was fun watching him light it up. Like he did. Uh, I, it was just the highlight of, of the night. Obviously, very much. So, um, so as we go through now and we kind of take a step back from that St. Louis game, Jason, um, a couple things I want to go over. Let's start first with the point guard situation. You wrote about it over at commercialpeel.com. We saw last night Lomax started again. I thought after a shake, you know, kind of a wobbly start, just like the, you know, and the entire team got off to a wobbly start. He was fine. Like, it wasn't, like, a spectacular performance, but it wasn't a bad performance either. Um, Earl Timberlake also played point guard. Um, he was he had just a nightmarish stretch when he first came in the game. Like, just really did, could, like, was a walking turnover uh, early on when he came in. Um, didn't think he ever really found it the whole game. It wasn't, never, never was as bad as it was early. Uh, but net just didn't have a great game. Didn't have an, another. Now it's it's now out of the five games this team has played, three in the regular season, two exhibition games. He he's only played like well in one of them. You know mm-hmm. the other four, whatever. And then um, you know at various times you had a lot other guys bringing the ball up the floor. But I think Penny made it clear post game that what he wants is for Alex Lomax and Earl Timberlake to be the point guards for this team. Um, He also acknowledged, you know, it might not work out like I want it to. Um, Where would you assess the point guard situation three games into the regular season, Jason? How would you assess it? Well, based on what Penny said last night, I I just, I, I don't get the feeling that he's ready to pull the plug on either one of them. Um, but he's getting closer, I think. Uh, he's getting closer to at least trying something else. Mm-hmm. Um, whether whether that's uh, uh, like you know not starting either one of them and letting them both come off the bench, um, you know, at different points in games, uh, or or you know, I, I I just get the feeling that he's. I, I think we're going to look up 
uh, Friday against Western Kentucky, and Alex Lomax is still going to be starting. But if 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 he comes out and looks, you know, it, it looks like it did this past um, last night, well, then I, I think things are going to look a little different in uh, Brooklyn next week. Um, and and again, I I don't know if it if, if it's like uh, if Penny is considering major tweaks, for instance. Uh, you know, going with Amani Bates at the one for extended periods of time. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what it will look like if there is going to be uh, some sort of if he is going to dr- address the point guard position um, in a significant manner. Um, but and and again, I I don't think that we're quite there yet. Uh, Penny like. You could almost feel it when he was speaking last night. He is like yearning for one of these two guys or both, probably both, to figure it out, settle down, and give him what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. Give him and, – and, and he's not really asking for much. He's asking for like really good defense, which both of them are, both of them are capable of, uh, you know, being smart with the ball and knocking down a few, you know, whenever they get open looks, knocking them down, uh, getting to the free throw line, distributing, you know, like, you know, the, the things a point guard does. It's not like he's asking a ton of either one of these guys. It's just he hasn't been getting it consistently from either one. So uh, I, I think he's going to give him another shot um, Friday and then and then maybe reassess after that. Yeah, it's interesting because we're talking about Tyler Harris. And I do wonder if maybe he's not an option at the one. I know he, you know, he didn't look. The problem they have is none of them look great. Whether it was bringing the ball up the floor, whether it was Alo or well, here's what I'd say. It's interesting to me. Like if you go through it, Alo is the one guy on the roster who seems like more solid than the rest, bringing the ball up the floor. Alo's problem is is in the half court, he's not solid. Like, he, he too often makes poor decisions in the half court. And defenses can play four on five because he doesn't shoot. Okay? But the problem, and so that's that's Alo's issue. The issue with the other guys is, like, Earl Timberlake struggles to bring the, even bring the ball up the floor. Amani yeah. Bates, right now, you know, I've maintained that I think ultimately for this team to reach its ceiling, and I still feel this way, Ultimately, it involves Amani playing the one because that's the way you get your five best players on the floor. Yeah. But right now, Amani struggles to bring the ball up the floor. He had four turnovers last night. Um, So, like, I think, you know, I would be focusing my energy on, yes, what Penny's doing with Earl Earl and Alo trying to raise their confidence levels and get them to a point where they're competent. But I'd also be thinking about how do I get to a point in February or March where Imani Bates isn't going to have trouble bringing the ball up the floor. Because ultimately what we've seen in these three games is as great as Tyler's been, as great as Landers has been, even in the, with that poor shooting performance, the the maturation of his game, he has taken his game, overall game, to another level this season, I think. He had, uh, the, best, he had the best plus minus of the bunch last night, and it wasn't even close. He's doing a lot more than shooting now. Um, but their best offense is – get the ball in Imani Bates' hands and let him go to work. 
That's how I put it on Twitter. Whether it's shooting the ball, whether it's creating for others in the half court. And again, he's not there bringing the ball up the court. But I'm I'm in a place, my, my feeling has been, why can't you get him there eventually? Um, because that's where your greatest ceiling is. You know, it's not because you don't have another good option. Like, I just don't think there's a discernible difference, um, ultimately. Like, Alo and Earl don't feel like they're good enough to not try it at some point because it's the easiest way to get your five on the floor, best five on the floor. But we shall see. I don't think I don't think Amani's there right now. Um, and maybe you lose something if you play him at point guard, perhaps. I, I don't know, but I, I just don't think the other options are so good that you don't try and work towards that still. Um, but I think it's very clear Penny thinks the solution, and I don't think he's necessarily wrong is getting Alo and or Earl to a competent level at point guard. If he can do that, maybe that is a better option than Amani, you know, because maybe you lose something with Amani playing the one and he's not, you know, he can't bring the ball up the floor yet. Uh, Maybe that ends up, but like right now, you know, again, I thought Alo was better than Earl yesterday. um, And I thought he was better after a shaky start. But he's still in that. It's it's in the half court where Alo really struggles. Um, he just he too often makes bad decisions, whether it's turnovers or driving wild drives to the basket or passing up shots. Like those are bad decisions sometimes that clog the offense. And um, sometimes, sometimes they all come on the same play. There was a play last night where yeah. he had an open look. He had an open look at a three, decided to uh, to drive it into a much bigger uh, defender. And like he he it was almost like he jumped without any intention of actually shooting the ball and didn't know what to do with it. Like so like he like threw it to the floor, hoping to knock it out of bounds. Like it was it was just a very cluttered thing. And that was early. You're right. He he settled down and picked things up later. He actually finished with the second best plus minus on the team last night for the game, fifteen, but uh, plus fifteen. But uh, but yeah, they're, they're just it's like he can be. No, there's no perfect answer right now. There just isn't. Like even like I, I think you might want to consider giving Tyler Harris a look because Tyler Harris's biggest deficiency is that he can't defend. Well, now that they have Jalen Duran. Um, and they block like 10 double-digit shots every game, well, that helps negate some of those weaknesses Tyler has. Um, I still think he's probably best suited to be like what he was last night. Like, man, things are not going great. Let's bring Tyler off the bench as a spark because he can hit some shots. If he's not hitting shots, we can pull him. You know, like, that's probably what he settles into with this team. Um, But... You know, look, if that's if that's the route they decide to go, if they decide to put a six, nine, two and a five, nine, two on the floor at the same time to uh, trade off, bringing the ball up the floor. Um, I mean, I'm the goal is it. ultimately to just get the ball in Amani's hands. Like, like, honestly, like they did it in the in the second half against St. Louis. There was a lineup they had and I thought it was a pretty good lineup. It was Tyler, Amani, uh, Landers, Josh Minot and Durant. Like, it was actually a pretty good lineup. Um, And it was hilarious seeing them huddle up on the floor 
because there was little five nine Tyler Harris, and then like everyone else was taller than six seven. It was, but like the the joy of watching Tyler is, man, he belongs out there with those guys. Like he's yeah. good, you know. Yeah. And so, um, it's a, it, the point guard dilemma is interesting. Just like frankly, Jason, the rotation once again, and it, it feels like it's going to be a constant topic of discussion with this team given how many options they have um and frankly given pennies um you you want to talk about his maybe his weakness as a coach uh one of his weaknesses as a coach is that he's he struggled every year to set a rotation um and you know i'm not ready to say he's there yet this year but um he certainly is not uh it certainly doesn't seem like he is following through with his promise from the preseason so far that he was going to go with a nine or 10 man rotation. I believe 12 minutes into this game last night against St. Louis, 12 players had played. Um, so um, what do you make of the rotation, Jason, the, the choices he's making right now? And what he, you know, what would you do? What would your rotation look like moving forward after what you've seen in these first three games? So I'm just starting to wonder, is Penny Hardaway, by now, is this just who he is? Like, Mm -hmm. he can say all he wants to, that he wants to get it down to nine or ten guys, maybe even eight. Um, And maybe there will be some times, I mean, like, there were times last year where he got short against Houston. Uh, That immediately comes to mind. I mean, he's not... He's not completely uh, uh, incapable of doing that, but I just it's so it's interesting. Twelve minutes into the game, he said that that he he had played twelve guys. If you look at the box score, uh, ten guys played. Only 10 guys played 14 minutes or more. There were four guys who played five minutes or less. So you take those guys, you take those four guys out, you know, uh, uh, Chandler Lawson, Malcolm Dandridge, Connor Glennon, and Tadarius Jacobs. You take those guys out. Well, there's a 10 man rotation right there. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there were 10 guys in the game last night who, you know, played meaningful minutes. There were four that didn't. So, yeah, he played 14 guys in the game, but only 10 played meaningful minutes. So, you know, is it? Here's the problem, Jason. He said after the game, I need to get Malcolm more minutes. He did. Um, you yeah. know, like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's my problem with it is, is that one, I think part of the turnover problems they have are because Penny plays so many damn different lineups. And the guy, you know, there's not a lot of continuity out there on the floor because he substitutes too much. Okay. Yes. It's been a problem. I, I think it's a symptom of their turnover problems every year. Like it, it, it's, it's again, I think it's one of his weaknesses as a coach is that he is, he, his trigger on substitutions and rotations is not good. It's just not. Good. Um, I also think this, and this is one of my problems with what's going on right now is I think it's already pretty clear to me how you narrow down the rotation and who should be playing through three games. Like, whatever you – like, let's say you're staying with the current starting lineup. So those five, Lomax, Bates, uh, Lester, 
DeAndre, and Duran. Clearly, those five are in it, plus Landers. I think right now, if someone gets in foul trouble early, one of the big men, whether it's Duran or DeAndre, I think you're going to Minot no matter what. I think he's that good. Whether yeah, you- it's four or you, if, if Duran gets in early foul trouble, you move DeAndre to the five and play Minot at the four. If DeAndre gets in foul trouble, you play Minot at the four and Duran at the five. Like, so to me, there's a clear, okay, Jalen and Amani are playing. I want them playing like 30 minutes a game, you know? And Lester and DeAndre and Landers, well, I want those guys in like 25 minutes a game. Maybe even more. And then maybe one of them play, is playing 30 if they're whoever's playing the best is playing more. Yeah. Um, and then I want Minot in there like, you know, 20, 20 something minutes a game too. And then if Earl's your backup point guard, like, you know, him and Alo are are splitting minutes, you know, probably maybe playing 15 minutes a piece, something like that. Um, that's eight. And then if you're in bad foul trouble, whether it's Chandler Lawson or Malcolm Dandridge, I frankly would pick Chandler Lawson. Uh, I know he hasn't played much this year, but I would trust I trust him more than Malcolm Dandridge. Malcolm Dandridge is so so up and down, it feels like. Um, and like, and then if you need a spark, you put Tyler in. Boom. That's your 10. And the problem is... Let's talk about who you left off. Yeah, I left off Jaden Hardaway, who played 18 minutes last night. And, you know, again, it just, like, it happened last year. You know, when he's playing against Tennessee Tech and and North Carolina Central, he looks good. Because he's a, he's a, not a bad player. He just shouldn't be playing as much as he does for Memphis. Um and last night you saw against a better team, you know, I, I just don't know what, like, there's no, like, what does he actually bring to the rotation other than, I guess, Penny trusts him? Like, I think that's what, that's the value they see in him. Like, he doesn't, he's not going to make the wrong play, right. but like, I don't know. I just, I, it just, I, no, you're when, right. There's, I just feel like he's not like there's a clear is it's very easy to discern who should be in the rotation and how this should go. Yeah. And the fact it the fact of the matter is I'm not going to like harp on it too much because as you put it, I think this is just who Penny is. Like yeah. he's 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 a little too nice in some regards. Like I know he talked the talk in the preseason of, you know, People are going to have hurt feelings, but I don't care. You know, this is about winning. But, like, you know, until he does it, until I see it, you know, I'm just going to have you. Like, there are a lot of positives about Penny Hardaway that other coaches don't have. Um, And this might just be, you know, like, no coach is perfect. And I think this might be just part of, you know, this is what, you you know, to to get the great parts of Penny Hardaway, you got to deal with. Penny Hardaway at times um, where he, you know, he doesn't, he's not good at setting a rotation. Um, And so uh, it is what it is. I'll be, I'll be interested to see if he, if he, you know, if he follows through on what ultimately as we get into tougher games, 
Like, I think that'll be another interesting sign of this. Um, like when they play Virginia Tech, yeah. does does that change how he approaches this? Um, you know, and so it's only three games. Just like, you know, we're, I, I would say the the flaws that you've seen in terms of the turnovers and the point guard situation and rebounding and free throw shooting, like those feel like March problems to me. I would say the same thing about this. Like hopefully um, these early games, uh, you know, ultimately set a tone for the rest of the year in terms of, okay, we tried it this way. Let's try it a different way. You know, it's so early, you know, it's so early in the season. So I'm not ready to just say, this is how it's going to be the rest of the year. I, I am leaving the door wide open for Penny Hardaway finding his bearing in terms of setting a rotation. So as we are getting ready to go back to Brooklyn two years ago, uh, as we know, Memphis went up there to uh, play NC State in the same event at the Barclays Center. Um, and it was a it was like one of their best wins that year. Mm-hmm. Um State. How many guys do you think he played in that game? That's interesting. He didn't play James Wiseman. I know that he wasn't. He was on the team still, but not playing. Um, nine. Close. He played ten, and and two of them played seven minutes. Malcolm Dandridge and Jaden Hardaway played seven minutes apiece, so he played eight guys. Uh, 11 minutes or more, and you could take it out even further. He played seven guys, 18 minutes or 15 minutes or more. So, like, you know, maybe that's and last maybe year that's- the NIT run, he played a shortened rotation. His mm-hmm. best game, his best moments of coach as coach have come with a nine or 10 man rotation. That's just the reality. And the, the quicker he realizes that, the better it'll be for this team. Um, even if they're, you know. There's some guys, as he put it, who are unhappy. But, you know, if he's going to, if he feels like he's got to play both Chandler and Malcolm, if he feels like he's got to play Jaden, um, like, you know, you're going to have a bloated rotation. That's just the reality. Um, so um, that will be uh, interesting to watch as we move forward. Friday night, Jason, Tigers take on Western Kentucky, a team they lost to last year up in South Dakota, uh, but no Charles Bassey this time for Western Kentucky. He's gone, and he really killed uh, the Memphis last season in that loss. Uh, Western Kentucky, by the way, off to a 1-2 and start this year. They're number 111 in Ken Palm. However, the two losses are neutral site losses to Minnesota and South Carolina. Four-point loss to Minnesota, uh, 11-point loss to South Carolina. Um, So not horrible losses by any means, um, but they are one and two. Um, And and at least according to Ken Palm, slightly a little bit less, lesser, if you will, lesser than than St. Louis. Um, But feels like another game, uh, Jason, where they'll be tested but ultimately, they should, based on talent, overwhelm Western Kentucky, particularly at home. What do you make of the matchup? Yeah, so you mentioned earlier what Penny said about uh, playing Malcolm more minutes, wanting to get Malcolm more minutes. Um, 
I don't think it's any coincidence that Western Kentucky is uh, going to be the, the biggest team that Memphis has faced so far. Uh, they are they have a seven five guy, I think. He is the tallest player in Division One this year. Jamarian Sharp is the tallest player in Division One. He's actually also a player that Memphis had their eye on. They were they were kicking the tires on him uh, as he was coming out of junior college uh, this past off season. Stansberry um, can always get talent. Uh, how yeah. he does it, I don't know, but I'm not going to get into. But he always has talent. It's Rick Stansberry. Well, you say talent. You say talent. This Jamarian Sharp, the seven foot five monster, isn't even number one on his own team in rebounding through three games. He's also got five blocks, only five blocks through three games. So I don't. Oh, he's know. a back. He's a backup. He's there. He's. A, I believe he's not starting. They start Jalen Butts at center. Yeah. Well, maybe so. But I mean, like you look at their. You actually look at their stats. They've only played eight guys uh, all year, eight or nine guys all year. Um, in three games, so you talk about a shortened rotation. Maybe, maybe uh, it rubs off on on Penny uh, on Friday. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like you know, they're gonna be they're gonna be okay. They're gonna be fine. Um, but I think Memphis, uh, I think Memphis wins this one in similar fashion to the way the first three games have gone. Yeah, well, I think it'll be a matchup as you mentioned because they're taller and bigger. Like the, yeah. these first three games, Memphis has had to. One, I think it's it's part of the reason Duran and DeAndre have gotten in foul trouble. They've been having to guard much smaller guys. Um, this these, this is going to be more traditional matchups for Memphis in terms of height. Um, and so I actually think I like this matchup even more for Memphis. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a commanding performance, if that makes sense. I, I think this is a better matchup for the Tigers than St. Louis was. And we saw against St. Louis, again, they they didn't even have to play great to win going away. So that's what uh, makes you excited for, for what's to come um, in this season. You know, they're not even playing. You, you watch them and you go, man, there's so much more this team can do. And then you look up and they've scored 90 points and they're up by – 20, they're never chant. They're up by twenty something in the second half against a St. Louis team that I thought wasn't bad. Like pretty decent, no. seemed like a pretty decent team. Um, yeah. So um, plenty, plenty to be excited about if you're a Tiger basketball fan after these first three games. All right, we will have tons of coverage of the Western Kentucky game over at CommercialAppeal.com uh, on Friday. Next week, Tigers head to Brooklyn for for the Thanksgiving break game against Virginia Tech and then either Xavier or Iowa State. Jason will be heading to Brooklyn, eating turkey in Brooklyn uh, for us. We may or may not. We'll see. Depends on how much time we have next week before Jason leaves. But we'll probably do another podcast next week getting you set for those two games in Brooklyn. Um, but again, Head over to commercialpeel.com where we've always got uh, coverage of this Memphis basketball team. Um, also, make sure we, me and Jason this year are doing a Tiger basketball newsletter. You can sign up for that over at commercialpeel.com. You can get exclusive uh, columns slash stories that don't appear in print from Jason and I, um, as well as links and all that. I'll tell you, it'll get... It's a great way to digest all the the content Jason and I are producing 
most uh, most importantly Jason um, for this season. Um, and uh, also make sure you go follow our Instagram Instagram account at mem.sports, uh, another good way to consume all the commer- all you could ever want from the commercial appeal. Till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your week. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.